All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Eternal Leadership Podcast. Our entire focus is equipping and inspiring leaders to do what God's accomplished in them. And, you know, we find ourselves in some uncertain times right now. And a friend of mine introduced me to Joe Saxton. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's great to be with you. It is great to be with you too. Now, you're a Londoner who is living in my home state of Minnesota, which I think is really kind of a cool confluence of events. I grew up in Minnesota. I've been to London, but now I live in Colorado, but it's a small world, isn't it? It really is. And um, I see you're still getting snow then in your life. You still have snow in your life, which is good. Yes. I couldn't move completely away from the snow, but it was 70 degrees here yesterday and we spent the whole day outside. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have that Minnesota. I'm sure. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, we have 45. I was grateful until now. Yeah, well, 45 <laughs> minutes, it's all relative. It's all relative, kind of like yeah. today. So, hey, everybody, just a little background on Joe. You uh, recently wrote a book that's coming out called Ready to Rise, Own Your Voice, Gather Your Community, and Step Into Your Influence. And, you know, the company, our coaching company is Beyond Influence. And it's like, how do we have such positive influence in the lives of others that they have influence well beyond the time that we spent with them? And uh, you do that, you're a pod, what's the name of your podcast again, Joe? It's called Lead Stories. So Lead Stories, you're a leadership coach, you've worked at big companies like uh, Target and other corporations, but you've done a wonderful job focusing on empowering women, which I think is so important in our culture right now to find their purpose, how do they connect that both in their personal lives and at work and their leadership as a mom, a wife, a business person and in ministry, whatever the role happens to be. So what we're going to be talking about today, everybody listening is really, uh, and Joe just has an amazing story we're going to hear about. It's in times of uncertainty, times of adversity, like we find ourselves in right now that can really be a catalyst to really uncover kind of our calling our purpose, I think, understand who we were, who we are at our best self, right? Maybe not who we see in the mirror, but maybe who that person God sees when he looks at us, right? Because oftentimes (laughs) there's a gap. And I think the bigger that gap is, sometimes the more stress and anxiety we feel in our life. So with that, Joe, I'd love for you to just maybe just bring us back to growing up in London and just kind of tell us about your journey from through your life. And then we can talk about some of these things that, uh, you know, you're sharing, you're doing right now. Yeah. Um, one thing I should say about my love for Target and that influence in Minnesota is that I shopped there, not worked there, but I kind of feel like I'm a member of staff just because of the depth of my commitment. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> in terms in terms of the story, yeah, I grew up in London, but um, I think, you know, there's something you said about people's influence being way beyond the moment you have with them. And I think, I think it was there before I even realized, I think even by the time I was growing up in London and I grew up in the inner city that yes, there were teachers and there were family members who were helping me discover and uncover really uncover in a difficult context who I was designed to be. But the ultimate example was a woman called Emily May Butterfield. And her story is the story that I would say changed my life. She won an award in her 90s, in her 90s for being England's most inspiring learner. She went back to school. She left school at 12 because a teacher had called her stupid. 
and um, she was a teenager. She was kind of upset and humiliated. She ran out the room, never went back. And she kind of got by, you know, she got by. And um, in her 90s, got an English qualification, a math qualification, and computer science. Incredibly inspiring woman. But her story unfolded in that she was serving in World War II as one of the kind of home efforts. She was in, with the fire service, could barely read, getting by out of her depth the entire time. And there was a point in London's history where children were evacuated for their own safety. And so what she started doing was taking care of the children. She was single, again, could barely read, taking care of these kids. When the war ended, she kept on going. 30 years, 40 years of just looking after these kids, like summer nights, some for years. And then when she's about 70, she was asked to take care of a preschooler and a baby. And now many would have said, it's time to be done, you know? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You've been serving faithfully all this time. And still no one knew she couldn't read particularly well. And she said yes, and looked after for five years. Again, just incredible. And decades on, the preschooler is a, he works in international finance based in Asia, a father, a husband, doing really well, and I'm the baby. Mm. And so for me, I know what happens when someone uncovers their story in the midst of global tragedy. I know the decade-long influence of somebody who felt completely out of her depth, saw the world changing around her, was terribly afraid because the whole world was at that point with the rise of Hitler and Nazism and stuff and just did the little bit she could do. She fostered over 100 children before she could read properly. Wow. And so for me, even in these times of crisis, I look back on her story and see her daily impact on my own life and on my brother's life. And I'm reminded that even in these desperate times, there are unique and incredible gifts being uncovered that could leave a legacy. Yeah. And you said uh, before we started recording that there were some women in your own family that yeah. had also inspired you because they uncovered some calling purpose connected to what was important during some uncertain times also. Yeah. So with Emily May, she was my foster mother. And then for my mom, my aunts, my grandmother, lose, she lost her husband and she got to trading. And for my family who were immigrants moving to different parts of the world, my heritage is Nigerian, that in uncertain times, culturally or personally with their families, in everybody's story, it was a case of them discovering skills they never had. Because grit rarely grows on the mountaintop. It often grows in the valley, doesn't it? It grows in those hard mm. times where you mm -hmm. have to sit down and think, okay, what do we do now? How do we make difficult decisions now? And so I think I, looking back, be it Emily May, my foster mother, or whether it's my mom or my grandmother, I am constantly um, reminded of these women who had very little in way of resources but rather than kind of knew their passion and knew their plan, uncovered these incredible gifts that propelled their family further. Yeah, and that whole concept of grit. And you, when you say grit, what kind of grit is that? Well, you and I all know of a Minnesotan grit that we sprinkle on the ground in the winter <laughs> um, <laughs> just to stay upright. But I think it's a good picture, isn't it, of what we as leaders need in times of uncertainty, that there's got to be something that grits you as you walk your path. And grit is that unyielding courage. It's that kind of, what does Winston Churchill say? He goes, when you're going through hell, keep going. Mm -hmm. And I think when I think of grit, it's not that I necessarily feel stoic or feel brave, but I will get up again tomorrow. 
and I'll learn again. I see it in those people who are in the, like learning how to homeschool their kids, although that was never on the agenda. <laughs> and then like up at night, working out a new business idea because they know their, their finances are really vulnerable. Grit is the fact that we will get up again, that we will have the difficult conversations, that we'll go to the bank and wait outside until we find the answers we need. It is that resilience, that stick to itiveness. I think in England, in the old school, they call it gumption. You know, it's the gumption, the gumption to keep going. And, um, and we need it. I think leaders need it anyway, but I think we see grit in times like this in powerful ways. Yeah. I, you know, I agree. I, you know, I'm, and I'm looking out there right now because I think the landscape that we're living in culture, business, Everything is changing in ways that we probably don't even know yet. Yeah. A lot of us had gotten to a place, I know I had, I should probably speak for myself, right? Where things were in a good place, right? I felt like yeah. things were trending upward. We were stable. I was stretching myself. But, you know, the grit to move forward when times are good is very different. Now, all of a sudden, this is thrown at us and we have a choice yeah. every day. When you talked about grit, right? It's like taking that salt and you're throwing it on that slippery ice. Yeah. But we have a choice. Do we move forward with grit? Or do we maybe sit here and be in a place of almost inaction or, mm. you know, feeling sorry for ourselves? Like I know a lot of my clients and friends right now, they have zero income, zero revenue. Their businesses are failing. I mean, these are real consequences. Yeah. And the people that are moving forward, here's something that I'm seeing in people that I think are using this time to actually make a choice to move forward with grit, so to speak, is they're looking at the things in their life. They're looking at things that are assets, their family, their relationships, Mm -hmm. their faith, the trust they have with others. They're looking at what their possible paths forward could be economically, relationally, whatever it happens to be. And they're intentionally pouring time when they don't feel like it into developing those assets, relationships, skills, things like that. And they're looking at their liabilities. Yeah. Could be your your Netflix subscription. Let's, Mm -hmm. if we're going to be real here, right? How much time we spend on our phones, how much time we spend entertaining ourselves. It was interesting when somebody challenged me on that. I said, well, you know, in the last two weeks, I've watched, you know, our whole family is here. We're all yeah. under a stay-at-home order. So we've been either playing games, cooking together, yeah. and movie night in the evening. But the rest of the day for me has been focused on really kind of building those assets. But when he said this to me, I said, I don't know that I've intentionally said, okay, what are some of those liabilities, those things that might possibly slow me down, stand in my way or stop me from really moving through this in a way where I look back? Because at some point, we're going to look back in this period. Yes. And we're going to say, you know what? I did that well. Things improved. Now, I'm not saying things improved economically, but who I am as a person, my relationships, my skills, my habits, or they're going to get worse. It's not going to be that status quo. Yeah. So let me ask you this, Joe. For some of those people that are like, okay, that's a big choice. Right now to pull back from some of those things that maybe provide comfort to kind of lean into those areas of grit that are going to actually help me be a better person, connect to a deeper sense of purpose, really understand who I am. What advice would you give to them, you know, that are kind of in that space, if that makes sense? Yeah, no, I, th- I mean, I think it is a crucial moment. And I would encourage, I think some of us 
do this and some of us are immobilized out of fear or insecurity. So I would say, is there someone you can talk to to dump the feelings, the feelings that will flood your best choices? I mean, I know that a number of online therapists are very busy right now as they're helping people process because you need to put it down. You need, you know, your online recovery group is a choice. And it's a choice for your, because we lead from the inside out in so many ways, it's a choice to free up your mindset. I would encourage people, whether it's five minutes or 15 minutes, to have a meeting with yourself every day, to have a moment where you say, what is the job at hand? What's important for the business? What's important for the future? So that you are attending to the immediate and the big picture. And I think there is a place for that creativity and the fun because you need the fun to restore your soul. I'm sure you seeing your family and the movie nights and the cooking and the potential for food fights and things <laughs> is a restorative thing. Maybe I've heard some people who have scheduled appointments to cry or to catastrophize to say, right, you've got 30 minutes. You can have that moment, weep it out, give it time and then move on. Because I think when it all rises and you haven't processed it, that will slow you down. You know, that, that is such a good point. You know, mental health right now, right? Yeah. I just saw an art, I haven't read it yet. It came in my email this morning, but just how this environment that we're in right now and things have changed so rapidly yeah. is going to create post-traumatic stress type symptoms that people are going to deal with, mental health. It, you know, here's something else. And I think because you talk about this, you write about this, and I'd love for you to share because I think there's a lot of people, especially in a time like this when things really are changing right? Because you, you have shared that you have really struggled with your own self-doubt kind of, you know, yeah. as you've moved through life. And also just with your background, who you are, lack of access, lack of opportunity that might feel for a lot of people amplified right now. Yes. And I'm not saying just feel, I don't want to minimalize that, but for some people it, that could actually be true. Yeah. It could be a perception. I don't know, but what would you share for people that really feel like, wow, I'm, I'm looking at the future. I'm struggling with some doubt and because of maybe who I am, where I come from, how I see myself, there's areas that feel closed to me, which feels very limiting and frustrating. Yeah. And it can be so immobilizing if you feel like you have been discriminated or if not even just if you feel like you said, if you have been discriminated against, if you are aware of, of a lack of skills, I do think uh, this is the moment where we have a choice. We either put a period on that or put a comma in our minds. We put a period and say, that's it. Or we have a comma and say, this is my reality, but what is my edge in this moment? For me, in times when I've had massive self-doubt, I've surrounded myself with people I've trusted who have known me. So in my case, it's often my siblings who are brilliant, brilliant men and women who I've said, look, I'm not asking you to make me feel good about myself. I'm asking you to just tell me what I can do. Remind me, because when my mental health isn't at its strongest and most robust, I forget my skill set. I just think I should stay in bed all day. So I, I need them to say, no, this is what you've done. This is what you've accomplished. I would encourage each one of us who have, whether you have that feeling for a moment or whether you have it for a month, who are like your coaches in your corner who can remind you of your accomplishments and who can remind you of your, of your qualities, who will remind you of when you've been resilient before. You know, I said to mm. a friend, we will look back on this year and we will just say, when we describe it, we'll just say 2020 and everybody will know. But there was also another year, went 2008. We don't even have to explain it anymore. We all know what that year means. We all got through that year. How did you get through that year? What were the steps you took? Who were the people who helped you? What were the choices you made? The resilience you had then is the resilience that will help you now. 
So I often encourage people to contact their key people. If you need to write a list, write your own resume all over again and the skills and write your resume of things you've accomplished and your resume of character traits that have got you through hard times. And then Google. You know, I mean, Google is our friend in this generation, you know, for the things that we don't know, because there's plenty we don't know, but there are free courses available right now. There are, there are podcasts right now in our areas of interest. There are YouTube channels. And again, because we're all quite busy in this time, we may not have all day, but do you have 15 minutes you can spare 20 minutes to invest in yourself and in your future? Because that's what you can do in this time. Yeah, that was such a great point, right? With social distancing, you know, and I can't, we can't Mm -hmm. be out and about. So what I've been doing is just going for a walk every day. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Somebody else is coming down the path and then you both step off the concrete (laughs) into the dirt. You're like 20 feet away from each other. But it's been a great time. Like, you know, talk about, you know, shedding some of those things, those liabilities, so to speak, right? Those times that are, especially from eight to five, let's, you know, let's treat the day like, okay. What if yeah. I'm just going to go find, like, go and listen to one of Joe's podcasts. And, you know, it could be that one thing that you needed to hear, or maybe just gave you that enough encouragement after a 30 minute cry session. Absolutely. And you think back and say, you know what? Joe went through some things that were harder than anything that's facing me right now. And look what she's doing. And for some of us, because I've been through some pretty significant adversities, our audience knows about a lot of them. And moving forward often just takes that little bit of hope. I think there's yeah. so much That's power so in, you know, what that hope that tomorrow mm. could be better than today. And for me, I got to tell, like you said, Joe, like finding other people that have been through, you know, been through a crucible, been through a yeah. journey, been through, you know, personal, financial, yeah. economic situations, right? Like I was in the first uh, Gulf War back in the 90s and then mm-hmm. 9-11 and then I lost a company when the internet bubble popped and then I lost wow. another company when the telecom crash Gosh. 2003 and then I went to Wall Street in 2008. Oh, oh so, did you? Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. Don't take career advice from me, Joe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I've learned a lot, <laughs> which is now why yeah. I love working you know, with leaders. And speaking of leaders, because I always ask people before we get started, you know, hey, what's your favorite Bible verse? And you go, oh my gosh, there's so many. You wrote out a list here, but <laughs> one, you put a note here and I got to ask you about it. You said Barnabas, my current favorite leader. So can I share with you about yeah. Barnabas? Yeah, I love Barnabas because he is so incredibly influential and he is so generous. He's generous with his time. He's generous with his money. We meet him in Acts. And the first thing is he gives a field and just says, sell it, do what you need. At a time when everybody's losing things, when, every, when the Christians are in scarcity, he's being generous, which I find fascinating. When new things are popping up in Acts 11 and the church is innovating, they send him along to check it out. And um, he's like, no, this is great. And he's not afraid of the new thing. He's not intimidated by it. There are other examples where you see new things happen and the disciples are like, no, we don't like that. But Barnabas is encouraging. I love the fact that he invests his reputation on getting someone who became Paul. We know Paul and Paul's a great guy. When they knew Paul, Paul was someone who who validated their friend's death. And yet he was willing to stay. I love the sponsorship there that he invests his credibility and reputation in another. And then I think of how he helps John Mark through failure. 
and how he steps back and Paul comes forward and you, you see the exchange. In the end, Barnabas is seen as the backup guy. I think what I love about him most is there are no books written by him. And yet most of the New Testament wouldn't be there if he wasn't there. Because without Barnabas, there would be no Paul. Because they wouldn't, because he was the one who brought him alongside. Without Barnabas, there'd be no gospel of Mark because he was the one who restored John Mark again. And I love that just that sense of legacy of someone who is actively, he's respected, who's generous, who um, pours what he has, gives second, third, fourth chances and makes an incredible difference as a result. I want to be that kind of leader. Well, I get the impression you are, and it is such, I love what you, everything you just shared. It is a great model yeah. to how to lead right now. Think about the adversity that they were experiencing yeah. back then under Roman rule. So Joe, how do people find you, connect with you, your podcast, your website? Like how do people get in touch with you? Yes. My website is joesaxton.com and you'll, there's some resources. And it's J-O, J-O-S-A-X-T-O-N. Yep. That's correct. Yes. And um, there's some resources there. It'll tell you about the podcast and lead stories you can find wherever you get your podcast. We're out there. And it's a weekly podcast talking about different things on leadership and the different challenges and the opportunities we face as leaders, even in the challenge. Um, so that's a resource for you on the social medias. Um, it's just at Joe Saxton on Instagram and Facebook and, and just all the things. And my book is called ready to rise. And it basically is an encouragement that even though we may be in the ashes now, and we may be in the ashes for some time, like we, we were sharing, we don't know what the new day will look like, but in, right. even in the middle of this change in landscape, we can rise, we will rise again. The question is whether we will be ready and the book helps you get ready. Mm, that's powerful. So just as everybody's been listening to this and hearing you share, Joe, what's just a couple of final points you'd like to leave with everybody? Yeah, I, I, in some ways, I want to bring you back to the story of my foster mother, really, of Emily May, this woman who won her award in her 90s and say, you know, this is a woman who was felt out of her depth the whole time, who didn't have the resources, who never married, who we would look at her life and think of what she didn't do. Mm. And yet the incredible legacy that she discovered in the midst of a global war. We feel a lot of the language of our current crisis is one of war right now. Like we've got this war that we're all dealing with and it's shaken us to our very core. And I look at her story and I'm the recipient of her story. And I just want to encourage you, allow this time. I'm not saying pretend it's not terrifying, pretend there's no grief or loss. We know there is. But I promise you that the hope in this story is there are seeds of purpose and opportunity that are in there somewhere. Keep digging, keep digging. And when you find it, no matter how fragile you feel, take the next step and then the next step and then the next step and then see what comes from that. Mm. I love that. The, from the seeds of adversity, yeah. you know, can come opportunity and greatness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We've seen it. We've, and when we look back on history and the figures of history, there's always that adversity there, isn't there? Whether it's a Mandela or somebody else, there's always that struggle, that pain. And yet. Through this time, I bet we're going to look back on this time right now and say, you know what, there's a number of people that have become influential in a very positive way around the world in different spheres of influence, business, yeah. ministry, media, yeah. healthcare, government, politics, whatever it happens to be because of this period of time, yeah. because they stepped into that gap, they became the best version of themselves. They helped other people to do that. They connected to a, a deep purpose, a vision. 
Uh, yeah. They set a destination. And then guess what? With grit, they kept moving forward through, Absolutely. right? Every day. Because because in John 10.10, 10, it says Christ came to give us life so that we may live it to the full. Yeah. And I think sometimes, unless you have a period like this, it's even hard to understand what that looks like. Yes, unless you have almost it. something to compare mm-hmm. it to, to appreciate it. Um, so sometimes I just, you know, I'm always trying to put things in perspective, Joe, because I know it's going to be really challenging for people. Yeah. You know, uh, even if this podcast comes out, you know, after the peak, it's still going to be, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it looks like. Yeah. Right? So. I mean, there are still jobs lost. There are still people needing to rebuild careers and make decisions about their homes and there's so much that we won't get back from this time, but there is a way ahead. And I'm glad that there are podcasts like yours that are just encouraging people forward from people who've lived stories where they've lost everything and say, it is this bad, but there is a way ahead. And that's a hopeful thing. Yeah, it can. You know what? I'm always, I'm optimistic. I I just know one day it's going to be gooder. Yes. Right. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) One day friends, it's going to be gooder. One day it'll be gooder. I should write a book. It'll get gooder. It'll get gooder. Yeah. All right, Joe, it was so great to talk with you. And I would just encourage everybody that are listening, you know what? Plug into Joe. You need to hear her story, more about what she's about, her community. I'll guarantee you, uh, for a lot of you out there, Joe, you were the exact person they needed to hear from right now. It was just this appointment that happened. And I think that's awesome. And I just really encourage people to just take that next step and shoot Joe an email, connect with her yes. on, on social media, listen to her podcast, because you never know where that might lead. Uh, like you and your foster mother. What an amazing story. And uh, that could be other people. I, it will be people sharing that about you, Joe, someday. I, I have no doubt that Emily May's legacy is, is living through you and the lives that you're touching. Yeah. And so thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you. Thank you. Yes, you too. 